0: Thank you, very beautiful, very beautiful piece. I invite you to turn with me in the Old Testament to Exodus chapter 20. It is our inspired Word of God of the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20. We'll look at the Ten Commandments and if you have your, your bulletin or in a moment there will be some projections taking place here. And you can see, the thought process that is taking place here. I shared this past week in in an event. I was invited to do the exchange club here in Waycross on One Nation Under God. And at that point, this sermon was in the process. And so I shared it there and for the One Nation Under God and share it here today as we think about this great turning point in our nation and the uh, midterm elections coming up and all of the challenges that we are facing. Let me simply say that uh, I'm on a prayer crusade. I'm on a prayer crusade. And as I read the Apostle Paul's admonition to Timothy and the church at Ephesus to be praying for all of those in leadership, God has reminded me, and I think I shared it last Sunday night in the message on the characteristics of a godly leader, how we can forget to pray for our leaders, but how important it is to pray for our leaders. The title of the message comes from, some of you may have during the years used a devotional book called Praying the 23rd Psalm, or a devotional book entitled Praying the Lord's Prayer. Well, God laid on my heart for us to go back to the Ten Commandments, and let's pray for our nation, the Ten Commandments. Let's pray again. Almighty God, how I pray that this word will come forth on the anointing of your Holy Spirit, the power, the power of your Holy Spirit. And as always, I pray that it will be challenging, that it will, though, be positive, helpful and encouraging, and that we will be very honest about what's going on and what we are facing, but very reverent and devoted to be in prayer, to be in prayer for those who are making these decisions for us. Forgive us of our sins, oh, how I pray for a clear word from you that we can receive in our hearts. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen It seems to be And I thank God for it But then I have to also take a step back And it could be just my memory You don't have to agree with me But I just do believe that I'm just, I don't know It seems like I'm on some kind of new experience In awe of the word of God Just absolutely in awe of it Always been in awe of it And I say that because when we go back to the Ten Commandments, I remind you of an encounter with Jesus recorded in several of the gospels. Matthew chapter 22 is one of them, verse 34 and following, where the scribes and the Pharisees, they're trying to trap Jesus. They're trying to trap Him. They're looking for an excuse to get rid of Him. And so they ask Him the question, what's the most important of the commandments? Well, there were only 700 at that point. Judaism had taken 10 commandments and stretched them out to 700 legalistic requirements. And they considered every one of them to be equal. So if Jesus pointed out one, then they would feel like, okay, he is being irreverent to the rest of him. We've got him. So when they ask him that question, that's where he said this so beautiful words. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and your neighbor as yourself. And then he said, and on these hang all the law and the prophets. He was letting them know the ten are summed up here, your seven hundred are summed up here. And they said to one another, well spoken, and they went away, it says, hoping to catch him another day. Well, as I have shared often with the Ten Commandments, and we will not try to read every part of this, but to make sure we're clear about it, it's amazing that when Jesus said love God, love your neighbor, love yourself, you can find that right here in these commandments. The first four have to do with our love of God. The next five have to do with our love and care and respect for one another. And the last one has to do with finding a place of peace and contentment and fulfillment in our life. So I want us to think about this in terms of our nation, and I don't know uh, whether it will come through or not, but next weekend is Veterans Day weekend, and I believe that I will be preaching at that point on does America need a revival or a revolution? Well, the answer is we need a revival, amen? America needs a revival. So here we go, and that is how do we pray for our nation? There are phrases here out of the pledge to our flag, and the last point is out of the Declaration of Independence. In praying for America, we need to be praying for one nation under God indivisible. Those first four commandments have to do with our relationship with God. And that is, the first thing that it says is, there is a God. I am, and there's that powerful statement. When Moses said, who will I tell Pharaoh who sent me? He said, you tell him I am sending. Meaning no beginning, no end, and I am here. You tell him I am here. And so God here tells Moses, again, I am. I am the Lord. There is a God. We are living in a world today where a significant part of our nation either does not believe there is a God or does not take Him seriously. I think, and I've said it before, I go back to that first Russian in space out of an atheistic nation, and when he came back safely, he wanted to make some headlines, and he says, you know, and he was up there, you know, circling the earth. He said, I didn't see God And I just believe it was some good old boy from South Georgia that said, well, if he'd have stepped out of that thing, he'd have seen God, amen? Well, one day, those who do not believe there's a God, they're gonna see Him, friends. They are going to be seeing God. I think about the child saying nighttime prayers and had prayed for everybody and every animal she could think about. And then when she closed and she said, and dear God, please take care of yourself. Because if anything happens to you, we're in a world of trouble. We need to be praying there is a God. And I had a guy went out of one church, every Sunday he would shake my hand and he would say, thank God for God. Where would we be without God? The Ten Commandments is telling us there is a God and we need to reaffirm our faith in the midst of all that's going on and that is there is a God and then it says there are no other gods. And God's in that second commandment is with a little G, not a big G. There are no other gods. And I am trying to stay with script today because I want to get all of this. I want you to to receive all of it but in the, in the nation that we are living in, and I will not try to speak for the rest of the world, we got a lot of little gods. We got a lot of little gods. We used to call them atheist. Now we call them secular humanist. And that is, is that whether they believe in a god or not, they do not take him seriously, and they think that they are the end all. They can tell us how to run our lives, amen? The whole problem, one of the whole problems going on in America is that we have people who are drunk with power, they are arrogant and proud, and they think they know more than us and they know more than God. And there are no other gods. That third commandment tells us God is worthy to receive glory and honor and power. That's a quote from Revelation, and it happens often during the book. Worthy is he to receive glory and honor and power. And this is the command that says, Do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And then the fourth of those opening commandments. This is so beautiful. There is a God. There's no other gods. He is worthy. He is worthy. But God loves you. This God loves us and invites us to love Him. That's what their Sabbath day is all about. Set aside that one day, that one time to spend some time with God, get to know God, like Adam and Eve had that chance in the Garden of Eden to spend in the cool of the day, and that beautiful song in the garden God loves us and invites us and wants us to be in an incredible, friendly, loving relationship with Him. There's no reason to fear God other than to respect and love Him. So I raise the question, pray for one nation under God. Proverbs says, righteousness exalts a nation but sin is a reproach to any people. So here's where I want to raise the question. Why God? Why is it so important that we are one nation under God? It's because God is who is missing in all that is happening in our nation. You hear that? He's missing. I think about the story I heard years ago, and it was about two little boys, and as I was reflecting on it this morning, I thought, well, you know, I'll change it. I had two little girls, so I'm gonna change it to two little girls. There were these two little girls that just could not behave themselves and had driven their parents to exasperation. So they came in from school one day, and their parents said, we've arranged for you to meet with our pastor. He's waiting for you at the church and he wants to talk with you about your behavior. We don't seem to be doing any good here, so we want you to go and talk to the pastor. Maybe I shouldn't be telling this story. Send them to me. But, so they went down there, and they were terrified. And they went in a little waiting room and sat down, and the preacher came out, and he had the oldest one to come in. Well, he was not really good at dealing with children, so he looked at this little girl and said, Where is God? She got this blank look. And he asked a second time, where is God? And it just went totally. And he asked a third time, where is God? And she jumped up, ran out. Her little sister followed her down the street, in their house, up the stairs, and in the closet. And the little one says, what's wrong? And the older one said, God is missing, and they're trying to pin it on us. (laughs) Well, I can tell you, in America, With some of those who are calling the shots, they think God is missing. But what is the big deal about God so important? Why God? Let me give you those three theological characteristics that we use for God, but bring them to be very, very practical, and that is we think of God as omnipotent, meaning all-powerful, He is omniscient, all-knowing, and He is omnipresent, all-present everywhere is God. And so why is it important to have an all-powerful God? And that is because it ought to be obvious by now that we and our government does not have the power to fix the problems of our nation. I mentioned to you one time I had a project in one church and it went terribly wrong. It went terribly wrong. Just about ruined the sanctuary. And so I got a friend of mine in building and construction and stuff to come by and he surveyed everything and he said, Brother Bill, let me ask you this. And he was looking at where it had gone wrong. He said, did man make this? I said, yeah, man made this. He said, then man can fix it. And he fixed it. The Bible tells me it is he who has made us and not we ourselves. And I'm telling you, friends, we ain't going to be able to fix ourselves. Amen? Amen. We're not going to be able to fix those voices out there. We are not going to be able to. Only God Almighty can change the heart of an individual. And so we need to be praying the Ten Commandments that we will be one nation under God. Why an omniscient God? Now, see, I, you know, we all know what we're talking about. I've not mentioned any party, I'm not going to. I've not mentioned any person, I'm not going to. But I'm going to tell you the wisdom tank of our leadership is empty, friends. Amen? It's empty. We need somebody who knows what's going on. And that is God. He is omniscient. He is all, he is all knowing, and the wisdom tank has gone empty. And that is, why, why are we running out of diesel fuel? It's because the wisdom tank of our leadership is already empty. Why do we run out of baby formula? because the wisdom tank of our nation is already empty. Why are we running? I went in a store the other day just for a little bottle of Tylenol. Y'all give me a headache, it wouldn't go away. <laughs> you know it. Those shelves were empty. Our supply chain is in a mess. Why? Because there's no wisdom coming out of our leadership. God is our wisdom. And I tell you, the day I go in a store and they ain't got no chocolate. Somebody will be coming getting me out of jail. If we get a shortage of chocolate, we had a little one running around here the other day with this box raising funds for the school program. I love it. I love to, to hit up every kid that I can. And I was the first one the box came to, and I mean, I took the 10 bars on the top. And I said, if there's a chocolate shortage, I am ready. We need wisdom in this nation, and only God can provide it. And then omnipresent everywhere. Guess what? The leadership of our nation is AWOL, friends. They are absent without leave. God is on that southern border. He knows what's going on. God is on the crime-ridden streets of our city. He knows what's going on. He knows how to fix it. God is out there where a pipeline ought to be, and if you don't agree with this, please just be gentle to me, you know? We need to be one nation under God because He has the power, He has the wisdom, and He can be everywhere fixing everything. One nation under God. And so we move to the next five of the commandments. We need to be praying, and this is in the pledge to our flag, for liberty and justice for all. Do you know, I will get to this. Well, let me get to it now. I had in the past couple of weeks a personal experience with encountering a setting of what's called progressive, liberals, or woke. You know what I'm talking about, right? I I Googled the word woke last night, and it comes from a, a mindset of waking up and helping marginalized people. Guess what? The woke have marginalized you and me. Listen to me. I was in a setting that was being dominated by a woke Mindset and the mottos of the woke are diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I learned real quick in that meeting, and I'm going to another one tomorrow. I learned real quick that that's a one way street, friend. When they speak diversity, that does not mean us because we are different from them. When they speak equity, that does not mean us. I am telling you the honest truth here. There is not a logical exchange of ideas. There is not diversity. There is not equity. There is not an inclusion. It is a one-way street. It is their way or no way. So we need to be praying for liberty. And we need to be praying for justice. And those next five commandments speak to us about the respect and honor and justice and liberty for home, honoring of parents, faithfulness in marriage, please, I'm good. I want the government to get out of my house. Get out of my house. We can raise our children. They don't belong to them. They don't belong to the nation. They belong to us. My kids can raise their kids. We don't need that interference. We need to get government out of our house. We need to get Hollywood out of our house. The purveyors of perversion. And we need to tell the devil, get out of my house. Get out of my house. It's to be a home where children honor their parents. It is to be a home where husband and wife are faithful and committed to one another. And that's what it means. You know what? Your children ought to be your best neighbor. Your spouse ought to be your best neighbor. And we should love our neighbor. We should love our neighbor. We need to pray for justice and liberty for life. The white life from the womb to the tomb and we pray for liberty and justice for property. Thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not kill. We are in a nation where law and order has gone out the window. Law and order has broke down, it's not there. I cannot believe, you know, I cannot believe what is happening on the streets of America and they go in to a police station, they turn around, they come back out, and you know what, something even more horrible happens. We need to be praying for liberty and justice. I pray none of you have ever had your home broken into, but I've had, we've had our home broken into. Now there's a very sick feeling there. We were living in Stone Mountain and carpooling our kids in the afternoon. The mothers allowed me to do carpool in the morning. Charlotte was teaching school because I never knew where I was gonna be in the afternoon, but I always made it home To be sure that my children got home safe Well I got there One day Mudroom, carport Walked into the door My back door had been kicked in So hard it looked like somebody had taken a go devil To the frame and knocked it off I thought if my daughter had gotten here a few more minutes Ahead of me This could have really been bad I must have startled them because it was not a whole lot gone, an answering machine, a camera, some jewelry. My wife didn't know that came from Kmart. She doesn't need to know, you know, but they got the jewelry, you know. Things like just just small things like that. And, you know, when I got ready to go to bed that night and I sat down on the edge of the bed, and there's normally where the phone and these old-time answering machines were, and I thought, you know what? Somebody sat on the edge of my bed today. It's a sick feeling, friends. It's a sick feeling. But you know what? I got my quarterly 401 statement the other day. Somebody broke into my bank account. (laughs) Amen. And I want my money back. It's unreal. Are y'all with me? I know you are. We need to be praying for a, a nation of liberty and justice and where character is sacred. Reputation is what others think about us. Character is who we really are. And I am absolutely fed up with all cable news. It's just trash talk. It's trash talk. We need to be praying for one nation under God We need to be praying for a nation where once again, home is sacred, life is sacred, property is sacred, and character is sacred. I'm on a prayer crusade. I'm on a prayer crusade. And then this third point, the line comes from the Declaration of Independence. And that is that all men are created equal, that we're created by God. And that have certain inalienable rights. And that is life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Meditating on this this morning, it just blessed my heart. And that's the last of these ten about you shall not covet. When we're happy, we don't want anything anybody else has got. When we're content, we don't want what somebody else has got. When we have purpose and meaning and fulfillment, we don't want what anybody else has got. And so we need to live in an America where people, and I'm afraid we've lost this word, are happy. 246 years ago, when the Declaration of Independence was penned, they actually wanted to found a nation where people were happy. Isn't that unreal? And under God, with liberty and justice for all, We can be a happy people. Now, I'm going to take a chance here because I thought it was good. And even the preacher that used it, he kind of did a semi-apology afterwards. Charles Allen and You Are Never Alone. In a chapter entitled, You Can Believe Your Future In, he tells this story. He says, a kind minister became concerned about a poor-looking man he frequently saw sitting on a park bench. One day the minister put $2 into the man's hand and whispered to him the words, Never despair. The next day the man stopped the minister and handed him $16. This is bad. What is the meaning of this? The minister asked. The man replied, It means that never despair won the fourth race at the Santa Anita track and paid eight to one. Charles Allen says, This is not the greatest story in the world, but it does have a point. Never despair. Let us not give up on our nation. Amen. (laughs) Never despair. Amen. I got an amen. Charles Allen says, It may not be easy to believe in the future, but I'm telling you, I'm that kind of person we can believe the future in. We can believe it in, and this is the closing. Years ago, Richard Cabot, chief of surgery for Massachusetts General Hospital, wrote a book entitled, What We Live By. What We Live By, and he identified four elements to make life rich and fulfilling. My wife placed around our house in several places, That life is not to be measured by the number of breaths we take, but by the number of moments that take our breath away. God wants us to have a breathtaking life. The framers of our Constitution wanted us to have a breathtaking life, friends. A happy life. And Dr. Cabot says, these things are essential. Work. People in America need to get a job. Play. Some people in America need to loosen up and have a little better time. Amen. Love. We need a lot of love in this nation. And worship. Honor, revering, and worshiping God. So friends, I'm on a prayer crusade. I'm on a prayer crusade. So pray the 23rd Psalm. Pray the Lord's Prayer but we are desperate to be praying the Ten Commandments for our nation. We sing a hymn of invitation, and I invite you.